Hi there, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we are talking about season three, episode four, Girl Trouble. Girl Trouble. Girls are icky. Yeah. No, they're not. I love girls. I'm, they're fine. They're, they have the lady bits. Some of them. All of them. Some of them don't, I guess. Well, I guess depending on how you qualify lady bits, all girls have lady bits. That's true. Gender inclusive. Ah. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the summary of this episode. All right. So, from the DVD box set, Girl Trouble. At Grace's interior design firm, an impressionable new intern, Natasha Leone, causes chaos by emulating Karen. Meanwhile, Will and Jack muck up a gay sensitivity seminar for local cops. Natasha Leone is here! Oh my god. Okay. Not here, like in our home. I wish she was in our apartment. I would pee, and then she would want to leave. I would not pee, but I might, like, try to flirt with her. <laughs> Just because I'm a big fan. Right. Um, so, for those of you who are like, why does that name sound familiar? She plays Nikki on Orange is the New Black. Yes. And she also was in But I'm a Cheerleader. Yes. So probably she, her two biggest gay roles. Yes. So and she's, probably her biggest roles in general, I guess. Uh, probably. At least, like, ones that, like, contemporary folks might know about. Let's yeah. quickly go to the interwebs. The interwebs, uh, the straight interwebs, says that she's known for her role as Jessica in the American Pie series. Oh, I guess she was in that, huh? Yeah, um, being not a straight, I have not seen that movie. You also so. haven't seen But I'm a Cheerleader. Though, I haven't so. seen But I'm a Cheerleader either. Anyway, she's on this episode. Yep. And she's fine. <clears throat> yeah, she's clearly a younger actress in this mm-hmm. episode, but her part is pretty funny. Yeah. She's got a small part and she doesn't do a lot with it, which is okay. Like, but she's... Well, this would be what? Her early days? She's yeah, in her like, is, early 20s? This is after But I'm a Cheerleader, mm-hmm. but before everything else, I think. So. Yeah, just about. So, um, it can be better. She yeah. plays an intern in Grace's mm-hmm. design firm, as, as previously stated, um, who, when she starts out, is just, like, totally doing the whole, the whole Grace thing. Yeah, she's, like, straight up trying to single white female Grace. Like, so creepy. Like, at one point, they are wearing the same outfit, and Karen stumbles in With drunk. With matching berets. With matching berets, and Karen stumbles in drunk, and she's like, why are there four of you? <laughs> Which was just, like, my favorite part of the episode. I mean, in... Everyone else's defense, at no point does Natasha Leon's character look like Grace Adler. No. But, like, from behind, she just has, like, longish hair and all the same clothes. But, like, they're dressed enough alike and they're just, it's, it would be... And she's not looking at her. It would be similar enough if you were as adult as Karen Walker is on a given (laughs) Tuesday. So, but yeah, so she walks in and she's worshipping the ground that Grace walks on and she's just like Grace. But then she meets Karen and then she's worshipping the ground Karen walks on. Yes, and just like becomes Karen and they like go do liquid... She's at Barney's and they're going to do the liquid lunch thing. Yes. You know, my mom told me that when she was first like out of... um, her, like, typist course. She mm-hmm. worked as a secretary. And, like, she worked for this guy and they would, like, every other Friday take, like, liquid long lunches and just, like, get bombed and then go back to work for a few hours. Ain't that what the disaster. Life? This was also before drunk driving was, like, bad. So, <laughs> like, my mom was always telling me these stories about, like, when she was a kid because she grew up in Chicago and then they would drive to Wisconsin where at the time the drinking age was 18. Right. They'd go from Chicago, drive to Wisconsin... Get shit-faced and drive home to Chicago drunk. Different so, time. Different time. But yeah, so my mom used to do liquid lunches all the time. So I gotta go. Well, if it's any consolation, I can assure you that neither Natasha Leone nor Karen drove anywhere in this episode. Yes. Because they live in New York and there's and no cars there. 
And worst case, Karen has driver. Right. Her senile <laughs> driver. Driver. Her senile driver. <laughs> so didn't she fire driver a couple episodes ago? I think she did, but then didn't really fire him. I mean, I could see Karen just hiring someone new and just continuing to call them driver. I mean, I don't think she learns their names. I think Rosario is special. It's in kind that of way. like The Handmaid's Tale. Where they don't have like real names, but they have like of names Karen. Of, right of Karen. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, are you guys watching The Handmaid's Tale out there in the internet universe? Please. Obviously, you are. You have to be because like this is all we're gonna talk about. Like when we're not talking about Will and Grace. It's so sad. Oh my god, Alexis Bledel is a convincing lesbian, and I'm like into it. Watch The Handmaid's Tale and then fix America. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about. Uh, the the follow up with this plot because there's not really much there other than right it's Natasha mo- Leone it's mostly just like Natasha Leone becoming Karen but I guess this good payoff which is where so basically Grace has a more than average freak out yeah she's like kind of grumpy about it because uh-huh. I think she felt special being idolized by this impressionable young design right. student and now she has basically two Karens. Which one is, of them is not her friend. One of them is her intern. Yes. Two Karens, which is two more than anyone ever really needs. Mm-hmm. And if Karen's looking in a mirror, it's at least four Karens. Ooh, yeah. Karenception. But Karen, like, sees Grace freaking out and, like, has human emotions about it. Yeah, that's so nice of her. It's very strange. Yeah. So then the next time Natasha Leone's character comes in... Karen is there waiting for her and fires her, basically. Yeah, she's From like, being her yeah, protege. Yeah, she fires her from being Karen Jr. She's just like, this isn't, I'm fabulous. You are not. Right. But Grace is fabulous. You should be like her. Right. And it's it's very nice. It's kind of heartwarming, mm-hmm. especially because, like, Karen doesn't know that Grace is there. So she's saying all of yes. these things without knowing that Grace is, like, eavesdropping, eating a croissant sandwich in the hallway. Yes, because she, well, it's not a croissant sandwich because they stopped serving those after 11. <laughs> Okay, do you think this was before the advent of the Burger King cross sandwich? Also, Probably. Did you ever have to suffer through those commercials? No. Because there was a brief time when I had a 45-minute commute, uh-huh. and that was that was the commercial I had to hear a lot. The cross sandwich! And I was like... No, she probably just had to go get it from a bodega like everyone else at the time. For the croissant sandwich to go over America. But didn't actually. I would have gotten a bagel sandwich. Does this sound yummy? Bagels. Remember? Those probably stopped getting sold at 11, too. Bagels? Just in general? Well, bagel sandwiches. Eh, maybe. Okay. With, like, eggs in them? Oh, no. I wouldn't want eggs in them. I would just... Oh, well, then, no. Those wouldn't. Didn't you get a rainbow bagel when we were in New York? Every day. Ooh. It was so yummy. And probably no different than a regular bagel, objectively. Do you want to know what my biggest regret about us going to New York was? Not buying a bunch of rainbow bagels to take home? Uh, no. It was the fact that we were there when Dear Evan Hansen was on off-Broadway productions and we didn't go see it. Well, we didn't know any better. God damn it. Anyway, so Ben Platt's going to win a Tony. Moving on. So I think that's really all we have to say about the Karen and Grace plotline. Yeah, line. it just, it was kind of nice. There was some friendship moments mm-hmm. and like Karen was... Grace like, is very appreciative. And Karen was kind of a good person and it was, it, it was like in character, Karen being a good mm-hmm. person. Like it wasn't like she had a brain transplant. Right. Which was nice. Yeah. So I think that's all we need to say. Let's talk about the heavy part of this episode. <sighs> So, uh, as we said before, the other half of this episode features Will and Jack, for reasons that are not adequately explained, uh, being a part of a sensitivity seminar for a bunch of local cops. Okay, so this is my first question about this. Are sensitivity seminars still a thing? 
Probably yes. I would imagine yes, but I, then it makes me sad in my heart. I kind of imagine there's like a, probably a tiny industry built around these because like mm. the setup seems to be that like Will's doing this because he's a lawyer and somehow like yeah the department has hired him to keep the cops from getting sued or, or something. Some, yeah, I feel but like... But I feel like that's a thing where like people just do sensitivity training. Yeah, but I feel like Will's reasons for why he was doing that training with those cops were not adequately explained. No, definitely not. Because um, like we open the episode like in the middle of him rehearsing for Grace. Like, yes, and Grace is like, why don't you do a skit? It's like, it takes a long time for us to find out what he's actually doing. Right. Which is kind of a classic like 90s and early 2000s sitcom thing that I don't yeah, love as don't, a sidebar. It's a little clunky. Like, I feel like yeah. it's just kind of a way to deposit a bunch of jokes. Yeah. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But I think now, like, like I don't know if listeners had this experience, but I remember in grade school, there was always, like, traveling shows that, like, came around and taught us all about self-esteem and, like, being yourself. And there were songs. I feel like grown-ups have those, too, now. But how kind of bougie-ass grade school do you go to? Did you not have people come in and teach you about self-esteem? Um, I'm pretty sure we had, like, a puppet show that taught us to tell people if someone touched us where, their, where our bathing suit covered. But I don't think they even, like, bust those in. I'm pretty sure that was a tape. <laughs> My guidance counselor, Mrs. Larson, also had puppets. You are describing your school like it is the most impoverished <laughs> school in America, and I guarantee you it was also bougie. I mean, it was a little bougie, but I just feel like... So Matthew and I grew up, like, literally, like, on opposite sides of, like, a single set of railroad tracks, yes, literally, basically. literally one side of railroad tracks. And I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Yes, as my mother would say. Yes, and that was, like, a thing when we were in high school. But I... No, we didn't really have self-esteem. We had, like, Officer Friendly come in and be like, don't... Yeah, no, Don't talk like, to strangers. Really traveling singing assemblies. I mean, That's not really the point. I mean, okay. So speaking of sensitivity seminars, I guess I I did violence prevention in college. Mm. Did a couple of similar things where like we would do workshops specifically for like frats on yes. like educating them on like consent and shit. Mm-hmm. So like I guess I could with see all that. of your degrees, you could probably get a job in this field somehow. Being a sensitivity trainer. Or maybe writing the skits. Ooh, I would write the best fucking skits. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's like a legit industry, quote unquote. Hmm, if we were going to do a skit for gay sensitivity training, what would we do? We would just do this episode as oh, a skit. okay, great. I think that would be the easiest way to do it. Am I acting really good? Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. I wish you guys could see how much we're nodding for emphasis right now. So much nodding. So much nodding. And also kind of like NS curve. Yeah. To the nod. We love it. Yeah. You're a little bit going into your Liza Minnelli tries to turn off a lamp. Blam! <laughs> but I think this episode would work because it is, it does this thing where it tries to like explain the topic of the episode on like two different levels. Like one uh-huh. is like the literal skit it's doing where it's like, don't say mean things to people. And then like what happens as that skit devolves. Right. Like it's. There's layers there because, like, the sensitivity training is happening, but also, like, whilst being in the skit, Jack, who's playing the straight cop, which choices, but okay, is also being, like, sensitivity trained on how to not be a dick to lesbians. Right. Because plot twist, but not objectively that much of a plot twist. Like, this episode reveals that Jack has negative feelings about either all lesbians or these two particular lesbians. Yeah, that was, like... I know that lesbian hating gay men exist, but like it was really disappointing for me to be reminded that Jack is one of them. Well, and it's, I feel like in a lot of ways it's more of a throwback to like an earlier day of gay identity that it wouldn't make sense for Jack to be a part of. Because 
historically, gays and lesbians have operated as two separate communities. I mean, yeah, but, like, Jack is operating in a post-AIDS crisis world. Very true. Where, like, that wasn't quite so much of a thing just because they all kind of banded together when all the men started dying. Right. To clarify, I am not saying that every individual gay man and every individual lesbian became, like, best friends after the AIDS crisis. What I'm saying is those two social movements kind of converged upon that point. Right. And then there was a lot more group activism. and. Well, I think we can both agree that regardless of whether or not that happened, it is definitely counterproductive of these two camps to... <laughs> camps. Yeah. To be against each other. Oh, yeah. In the way that Jack is in this episode. I mean, he is really, really mean to these two very nice lesbians who, uh, who are real lesbians. Yes. Who... Will calls in to play the fake lesbians in the skit. Yes, which I, first of all, want to ask, since when did Will know lesbians? He's the first time that we're hearing about these people, and mm-hmm. I don't remember them ever coming up again. Right. So, where'd they come from? Where'd they go? Where did they come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> that song's about syphilis, by the way. That would explain a lot of Jack's actions in this episode. If he had syphilis? Yeah, like third stage. <laughs> But yeah, so Jack is just, like, really aggro towards this couple. He, like, makes a bunch of inappropriate comments and jokes. Mm -hmm. He, like, at one point makes an off-color joke, and they don't laugh. And then he says, oh, did you not find it funny because Ellen DeGeneres didn't say it, which... Which is sassy, but on top of everything else, not appropriate. Like, I call shade. I'm sorry. Like, no. Like, that'd be funny if you hadn't just been, like, really insulting them. I mean, it would also have been funny if, like, this, like wasn't just immediately after Ellen got pulled off the air because no one thought she was funny after she became a lesbian. I think this might have been around the same time as Les- Ellen lesbian. <laughs> as lesbian Ellen. <laughs> as lesbian Ellen. This might have been around the same time as Ellen was working on her second show where she was gay. Mm. I forget my Ellen DeGeneres timeline. Yeah, my Ellen DeGeneres timeline is a little fuzzy because she had two different shows called Ellen, which was just mean, frankly. And now her current talk show is called The Ellen DeGeneres Show, and everyone just calls it Ellen. Like, Hi, I'm Ellen. Hi, I'm Ellen. Like, Ellen, I know that you have a great name. It's a good name. I'm so glad you can use it. Maybe you could have differentiated it. She must have been in the process of making it because I'm going to the internet, and uh, her second show, The Ellen Show, was about to premiere in 2001. I see. And so in that show, she was also a lesbian. But does. it was not as serious. Also, because it's from the 2001-2002 TV series, I kind of assume that 9-11 killed it. Yeah, probably. Almost certainly, in fact. Oh, that's things to look forward to next season. We will have to discuss the non-discussion of 9-11. Hooray! Yay. Anyways. Uh-huh. There's a lot of different layers in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think... It is worth acknowledging that what I think the writers were trying and succeeded on some levels and failed on others to go with in this episode is to immediately point out that what Jack is saying about these women is not appropriate Mm -hmm. and then slowly prove that over the course of the episode. I mean, like, I understand that that's what they were trying to do, but Mm -hmm. I kind of thought they could have done it differently. Like, the example I used when I was trying to explain my feelings about this to Matthew off mic were... Like, if you have a racist character on a show, Mm -hmm. you don't need the racist character to, like, say the N-word in order to demonstrate that they are racist. True. And so I feel like while Jack doesn't, like, start, like, dropping, like, D-bombs and Mm -hmm. muff-munching jokes, like, his jokes were in that similar sort of offensive strike zone. Right. Like, the fact that he kept calling them Sarsky and Butch and not calling them by their names. Like, even Mm -hmm. though that in and of itself isn't an offensive nickname, the fact that he didn't ever refer to them as their name was really 
awkward for me. And then also the fact that these two characters, like, they don't really have much of a personality. Right. They don't talk very much. Their existence is largely just to be offended by Jack. And I felt like maybe if they'd had more voice in the episode, it might have been more impactful. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good point because I think while the episode does a good job of showing how Will is not okay with Jack doing this, it doesn't show do a great job of showing how... These two women are not okay with Right, like, they're just like, okay, we're leaving. Like, that's pretty much their only go-to move. And they weirdly brought Will a cactus, which was funny. fine. Like, again, might have been funny if they had, like, personalities and backstories and, like, they were characters that we were ever going to see again. Because when they bring the cactus, they throw in a jab at Jack. I mean, it's it's very clear that they don't like him either. Right, so, like, and I feel like we did some Googling and there was, like, maybe a cut line about some history with them. Yeah. Because they own a kite shop. Is that... That seems to be, like, one of those, like, house hunters memes where it's, like, (laughs) we're a lesbian couple. We both work part-time at a kite shop and our budget is $3 million. (laughs) Like... Like, I'm like, that's not a real career, that is not how you make money. Yeah, I think the real, the error in this episode is that not enough was done to make it clear that their animosity was particular to each other, you know? Yeah. And I, because I think what the episode ultimately gets at is that it is calling individuals these names that hurts them. I'm not sure how I'm, I'm trying to phrase it. I feel like the episode was maybe trying to get at, like, in general, generalizations are bad. Like, which is well, fine. And, and it also is just, like, don't say mean things to people. Right. It's really hurtful. You know what right. I mean? Right. Like, in general, generalizations are bad, and they hurt individual people. But I feel like that that might have been more impactful if these individual people who were being impacted, if we cared about them. Like, if, they, right. if the episode had given us any real, like, weight for why we gave a shit, other than I'm offended because you're being mean to lesbians. Well, this is a great segue, because I think the episode does do it really well when they get to the sketch. I agree. Because, basically, through a long chain of events that we're not going to get into, Jack is being nice to the lesbians, and then Will accidentally tells him to stop doing that. Yes. And the lesbians all leave. So then Will gets pissed off and starts yelling at Jack in... The sketch, quote unquote. Yes. And in front of these cops. In front of these cops. But it's really interesting because when they start fighting, they immediately go for the gay insults. They do. They're, there is no like, oh my God, why are you being such a dick? It's immediately like, you fairy. Will starts it because Will says that he wanted Jack to stop using the queer voice. Yes. And then I think Jack tells him not to be such a stuck up fairy or something. Yeah. And it's... It goes on for a surprisingly long time. Like, it gets so intense that you start fearing they're going to drop the Frenchman again. They start, like, grabbing each other. Oh, yeah, they're, like, girl fighting. Right, right. They start pulling hair, probably. They they do, because their hair is all messed up in the next scene. (laughs) So you can tell they pulled some hair, and they messed each other's clothes. And I can just imagine... The cop has to, like, jump up and grab them? Like, slap fighting like you see girls do in movies, because gay men clearly are girls. Right, of course. Well, Well, that's the thing! Jack calls him... No, it's the other way around. Will calls him a girl. Which is, like, also just another layer of this, like, gay men's, like, sort of weird misogynistic attitudes. Of, like, his insult for Jack is to immediately call him a girl, which is really ironic considering that he just spent a whole episode being like, Jack, you can't be mean to these lesbians because they like right. girls. But because we care about these characters, it's painful to watch them do this to each other. Yes. And it's frustrating that we didn't see that with the other characters right. who did not get very well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's smart that the episode ultimately turns on that. Yes. Because for the cops, it's what gets them to realize, like, oh, man, I should, like, 
not use these words, they really have an impact. Which right. is kind of a cute little Hollywood ending, but like whatever. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I feel like the episode is incredibly didactic in that it does this in-universe for these cops, but it also does it for just, like, the casual watcher of right. the show. Like, and we have to remember watching this from, you know, more than a decade and a half later that this show is really designed for that audience. Right. It's, it's not super didactic a lot of the time. Right. But it is designed to teach straight people not to be assholes. Yeah. So, like, in this episode, having these characters that we care about get into this, like, bitch fight, basically. Well, and I think it's interesting that the show ends up having the two gay characters do it to each other. Mm -hmm. Because while for, I think, a gay audience that speaks to levels of, like, internalized homophobia, Mm -hmm. I think it also kind of, for a straight person, really makes you realize that, like, you know, even people who have good intentions or wouldn't normally do this can do it, and it makes mm-hmm. them feel like they are not as much bad people as people who need to improve yeah. themselves. You know no, what I mean? I absolutely think that that was a calculated choice just from, like, the educational options of yes. the show. Because I feel like if they'd had, a, like, a straight cop actually, like, go... If they'd written this plot to be, like, a straight cop, like, insults Jack or something. Right. Like, it would have immediately put a bunch of straight people in the audience who may have ever used, like, anti-gay language on the right. defensive. Yes. And be less open to hearing these reasons to not be an asshole. Yeah. So, it's sort of like the episode where uh, Will calls Jack Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Very similar. We don't have straight characters insulting these characters. Yes. We have the gay characters doing it to themselves, which on one hand is a totally different issue right. that Will and Grace explores to a certain level. Mm-hmm. But I think they're exploring it on accident because what they're actually trying to do is get the viewers to empathize with these gay characters and also see themselves in them. Yeah. I feel like there is some... Lack of realism. I feel like these characters probably wouldn't be so strapped with internalized homophobia that they would be hurling gay insults to each other in their mid-30s. Then again, I don't know. It's only 2000, so right. maybe I'm wrong. Probably not in a room full of other random cops. But, but yeah, but, I just... But you know what I mean. But I just mean, like, there's code switching to be, like, concerned with. Like, I would imagine in 2000 that two gay men who've been out for 10 plus years would probably know better know better in quotes <laughs> i just want to clarify that i'm saying that in quotes uh then to get into that kind of like a petty fight in front of in a room full of law enforcement which in the city of new york has had a very tenuous relationship with the gay community right which also this could have really backfired yeah so like i feel like the episode is definitely not something that was intended for a queer audience. Yeah. Like this i feel like was something that was written with the sole purpose of educating Straight people. <laughs> and to be fair, they kind of need it. So. Yeah, I mean, it's 2000. Like, especially considering the last episode, we had a bunch of gay dads, which is just sort of at this point like a pipe dream. Right. So, like, it, it it's sort of like taking a step back from that, like, beautiful gay wonderland reality, mm-hmm. or rather unreality, <laughs> of this episode. And, like, bringing it back into a little, a little bit more realism, a little bit more we still got a lot of learning to do. I think the word you're looking for is fantasy. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long day, folks. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that's kind of where we can leave it. Unreality. Unreality. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening to our little unreality here. (laughs) Oh, my God. Tess, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us and find more unreal episodes of our show? If you'd like to find more of our beautiful unreality, we exist on social media. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at NotACoupleShow. On Tumblr, we're NotACouplePodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us an email at NotACouplePodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NotACouple. We host our podcast on 
Mixcloud and iTunes, and our show notes are on Medium. Yeah, that's the whole the whole gamut. Oh we got God. a big long list of places where you can find us now, so you have no excuse. No excuse. Although, to be fair, if you can hear us saying you have no excuse, you're already listening to us. So, like, you're probably halfway there. So, like, yeah, like, just tell you a friend. Do it. Just word of mouth this shit. Tell a friend about us. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. All right, I think that's all we have for this week. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with more Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully you have a great week until then. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again for listening. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this is Ben and Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live audience with one cat. Hi, Liza. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you by Will Truman's Sensitivity Training Gym. Work all those muscles while teaching some rude, insensitive people how to be nice to others. <laughs> <laughs>